Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Jonna Whitver. And Maria here. And we are so excited to bring on this super special, awesome, fun-to-talk-to guest. We have Russell Worth here, the VP of Marketing at Defy Security. Thank you, Russell, for being on the show today. Well, Maria, Gianna, I'm excited to be here. And I'm not that special. I'm just an average guy. But uh, you ladies are truly exceptional. I'm coming back from the Cybersecurity Conference You did an awesome job. That was great to me. It's a lot of very exceptional cyber marketers. So thank you for putting that together. Oh, thank you so much. You just flipped it. You just, the intros where we talk about how great the guest is. This is not about us. This is about you. You have such an amazing story. You have an amazing journey. Gianna and I always really get excited when we have somebody on that comes from a technical background that turns into marketing because it's always a really interesting story to hear. And I think also selfishly, we, we learn a lot from this technical guest. So let's get into it. We're so excited you're here. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Awesome. Russell, so tell us like about how you got into this role, VP Marketing. Give us the whole background here. It's like anything. Necessity is the mother of all invention. I was an engineer for quite some time doing development. I, I was hired on to be a consultant for this cloud startup company. And being the head of the product and you know one of these people that would kind of play the role of a sales engineer before we called it that, I got sent to our first trade show that we sponsored. And I'm thinking, okay, great. You know, I'm going to talk all about all the nerd knobs and features and the real-time Java collection and our shared memory data grid and how great this thing was going to be for telecommunications companies. When I was brought into sales calls, that's what I would do. But I realized I'm at the booth. You know, we set it up and there's just tons and tons of other vendors there, tons of people. And nobody of consequence came by. And I realized after talking to about 40 or 50 people, most of them were trick-or-treaters just looking for free swag, that we didn't have a good message. We didn't have a good way to talk about what the company did that resonated with the real decision makers and buyers. And I realized it was more than the marketing we had experienced, which was you know logos and colors and some promotional items. It was, what's our message? How do we get it out there? How does it resonate? How do we promote it through trade articles and analysts? So I really got thrown at this thing by the chairman of our board. He said, okay, Russell, you're our show engineer, the engineer with the personality, go wow them. And so I started gravitating more and more towards marketing. And we'll talk a little bit about sales and ailment as well, but it's really solving that challenge because I think oftentimes as marketers, we hear somebody talk about their AI or their platform and we say, well, I'm not going to ask any questions because you're really smart and it's intimidating too. So let's just put that down on the data sheet or on the slides and give it to sales. And Larry and Omaha can go try to sell it and not realizing, okay, there's a few things broken here. We should be encouraged as marketers to have those conversations with technologists to help them out. And my goal for today isn't to brag about me or talk all about me. I want to help others in the community like you two have helped a lot of people in the community. So that's why I came on today and, and looking to have a lot of fun to share some stories and share some insight. So what are some cool stories you can tell us? I think that first one, you know, where right after the trade show and, and the very first pitch deck that we created, and I hate that phrase now, I hate pitch deck because nobody sells that way. They'll come to why I really hated that term. But the first deck that we built, it was with the engineers because the company was all engineers. And so we built something heavily, heavily technical. It was about 40 slides, all the architecture out there, and you could go very deep. But 
we realized that's for like conversation seven or eight with a customer, not for conversation one or two. And so it took a lot of failure. It took a lot of chat, really opportunities to talk to prospects and customers and realize that we're not setting it up the right way of what are the problems that are out there? Why are these problems? Why is it a problem they need to solve? And then why consider us for a solution? And so it was a painful lesson, but we learned it eventually and did pretty well. But again, it's one of those things in marketing. I always joke, if you want to see a good marketing movie, it's actually Groundhog Day with Bill Murray because he's constantly out there doing A-B testing. Every day he's waking up doing something to learn a little bit more. It's like, oh, Gianna, okay, you like ice cream. Okay, next day. Okay, it's chocolate ice cream. Got it. Oh, it's chocolate ice cream, no sprinkles. Got it. So it's that constant learning iteration you have to do. So while Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is the proverbial sales movie, really depressing, by the way, but a good movie. I always suggest Groundhog's Day for a great marketing movie when it comes to A-B testing. There you go. We'll have to make sure that makes it to our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have that at the conference next year. We'll have everyone gets to watch a Groundhog's Day together. We'll all do like a movie night. <laughs> One of Bill Murray's best. <laughs> so in terms of to press on this a little more on how you solve this problem, like what are some of the actionable things you did? to right because we're saying okay the messaging is like off right and we can like maybe test and like oh we can think of better like what are some things that you actually did to turn this whole process from being tech focused to more sales and user focused yeah number one speak the language you know for marketers you don't have to be experts you don't have to know all these things about edr and xdr and all the details about packet capture but just have some familiarity and understand some of those concepts so you can carry that conversation. And don't be afraid to ask questions and just say, look, I don't understand this. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a technologist or a security pro. Explain this to me. And then say, okay, how would we explain this to somebody that isn't a technologist? And in there lies the truth because the technologist now has to explain it in a way that isn't overly technical. They build these things. They live in them day in and day out. So to get them to up-level a bit, and just by playing a little bit of an interview, asking some of these questions in a way, it helps uncover some of the messaging that's there. It's just those nuggets and it really comes with collaboration. So approaching with a little bit of humility, understanding that engineers are going to have a lot of pride in what they built. And I did as well. I'm guilty of that. We thought we built something really, really awesome. And if we just demo it, people will buy it, but not realizing that the user just uses it. Somebody has to go and authorize a purchase, authorize that investment to get some value out of it. And that's where you got to help the engineers up level a bit in having some of those conversations and make sure it's differentiated. So I think the more that you can draw from industry data that's out there, what's the competition doing? How are they messaging? How can you be different and unique? That's where I think that partnership with marketing and on the product technology side really can create some great outputs that really get some fruits of that labor. And it is a labor. It's not easy because it really is two different people speaking two different languages. So on that, we put a lot of pressure on marketers to learn the technology, to understand the product as much as they can, you know, when they don't come from a technical background. But what about getting the engineers to learn how to explain their product, their value proposition and the benefits from the product in the language that everybody else can understand? No, Maria, I love that question. It's great. I can tell from your laughter. It's it's a frustrating one because we get it all the time. And engineers, they always experience marketing. Everybody has. We've all experienced business to consumer marketing. I've seen the polar bears drink Coca-Cola at wintertime. So all of a sudden I want a Coke. Why can't we do something like that? Well, it's different for a business buyer. Businesses buying committees, they buy for different reasons. It's Sometimes there's an emotional aspect, but most of the time there's an aspect of how does this improve? My job, my role, help me get promoted, help me get a raise, help the company do better. And so coaching 
the engineers that this is completely different is helpful. I sometimes walk them through and say, tell me about the last time you had to buy something for the company. What really compelled you? What was the salesperson like? What was the marketing material like? And they just open up. Oh, the salesperson was awful. You know, they overpromised, underdelivered. The data sheet didn't describe what we did. I saw a bunch of press releases that didn't link to the actual elements in the website with case studies and details of a market texture slide. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, we've just inventoried all the stuff marketing needs to create with you. You know, this is what marketing needs to do. So sometimes just playing that little Socratic method with some of the engineers really, really helps. Get them to think a little bit more B2B and not B2C. Love that. I love that. That's such a good idea. Hey, you're buying things for the company. You're paying for, I don't know what engineers buy, like screws or whatever. You know, you're buying, I don't know, wire. Maria, don't laugh at me. (laughs) They're buying, you know, like open source tools or I don't know. They're buying software. Yeah. They're buying software. They're buying systems. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, loaves of bread. So they're buying these things and it's like, okay, so you bought this, like now you get to play agency. What would you do differently in the process? And then you can translate that to, hey, and this is what we do internally. I love that idea so much. If they haven't, by the way, get their boss. Just say, hey, by the way, let's get your boss because surely that person has had to buy something at some point and sign off on buying a consultancy service, buying staff for staff, buying some software development tools. They've had to buy something. They've had to interact with sales. Somebody has. Find that person. They're the champion in the room to really be the marketing champion, help be a translator. How do you usually, and I think we know a little bit, but would love to understand like real life example from what you've done in terms of basically structuring and segmenting your messaging for the influencer and then also for the business buyer, for that budget holder. What are some secret sauces you can tell us and tell our listeners? I've been guilty of this. We try to collaborate around the final product, you know, bring up a template data sheet or a template deck, try to put everything in there because our time with the technology people is limited, the head of product, the strategist, the CTO. And while we can show them some examples there, I'd rather focus on messaging and bring up a very, very boring document. Just say, who are these personas that we've got out there? What are the real problems they have? Why aren't those being solved today? I play stenographer, you know, because I was a coder, I can type really fast. So I don't mind taking notes and I can organize in a really great way. And some tips and tools, you know, bringing up a document, Word or or Google Doc, it's okay. Some of the most powerful tools are mind maps, like a Miro or something like that. You can mind map some of these out because it lets you very quickly put some elements out there and reorganize it without trying to worry about Word and formatting and the copy paste. You can just work a lot faster. And as a great visual tool, it lets me zoom in on the things that are important. The problem with sometimes collaborating around the document as a first step, you can't really zoom in on just a section. And I can do that very, very easily within a mind map. And I can say, let's talk about the problems that are out there today. Let's talk about the competitors that are out there today. And I always try to say, instead of competitors, what are the other consideration options that they have? Do nothing is always one. Why are they doing nothing? What's something old that they've done that's legacy? What's something new that they're considering? Have them think about those categories. And now all of a sudden, we're just helping them as a coach, as a consultant, gather all this information and say, look, this doesn't go into the holy PowerPoint that does everything, but it is going to go into different elements that are having you know, that first marketing touch in an advertisement, in an email. This is that first sales touch that they need to do an intro email, or they need to show kind of an overview presentation. There's a further down the line where you need the proof of concept, the architecture, the use cases and case studies. So that mind map, especially now that you can share these tools very easily, is very effective to share that in product with the product team and then iterate over that after that kind of first workshop that you have with a few hours laying some groundwork. 
And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon, are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and sponsor a podcast or two. I love that. Love that idea. Usually with the product launch, we think deck, sales training, data sheet, product page. That's it. Done. Yeah. A mind map that precedes all of that to make everything else really, really relevant and really good. That's a really good idea. And I always use that, by the way, another tip, keep track of the decisions you make of what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Because if you look at that mind map a month later, six months later, you can come back and say, oh, by the way, we didn't want to do that idea because it was bad at the time. We should revisit that because it might be a good idea now. The markets change, the buyers change, the competitions change. So it kind of helps you keep track of things that are first and foremost, you know, on the front burner versus things that are on the back burner. I love it. Another area of expertise, Russell, I think you have is marketing in the channel because Defy is a channel company. Can you explain a little bit to the listeners about Defy and what you do? I was at the convention and somebody asked you, okay, what is Defy? What do you do? And I just said, well, we're a VAR, long pause. And they're like, wow, that's the most accurate and succinct description. I was expecting some long soliloquy. Well, I'm like, well, you kind of know. I assumed you, you speak the language, so you know what a value-added reseller is. Now, how are we different? We want to change the buying experience. And I kind of went into that pitch and differentiation. But for those that don't know, I mean, for the channel, it's all about how do we as resellers take the most innovative solutions to our customers? You know, They buy some of the largest technologies and solutions from us. Our salespeople have worked with these customers for a long time. They really are a trusted advisor. And so working in the channel, if you're on the product side, it's always hard. You want the channel team's attention. Hey, we got something new that's going to help with security operations, threat intelligence, endpoint security. Our sales team, you know, at a reseller isn't geared to be masters of everything, but they are supposed to know a little bit about a lot versus a lot about a little. Most companies have a portfolio of five to 10 products. We've really got to be appraised of about 50 to 100 vendors and the general things that they do. And bring that to bear to the customer and understand what are those problems you're trying to solve? And is this a problem you're trying to solve because you've got budget that expires in two weeks because it's end of the year? Is this a problem that's going to come up in three months because you've got to renew and you want to move from a legacy vendor that hasn't delivered on product roadmap promises? Or is it something where you've had just a bad experience and you're paying too much because of the price increases, so you got to move somewhere else? So as a reseller, it's interesting because they just they play that different role. It's all about the buying experience, the contract vehicles, procurement, pricing, proof of concept. So I don't do a lot of demand gen. I don't do a lot of top of funnel stuff, just a bit to kind of get our name out there. But a lot of the value we provide is to be able to guide people and help them understand that value and differentiation. What's the most valuable thing you, in your role, what's the most valuable assets or enablement that you receive from the marketing teams of the products and product vendors you work with? What's the most valuable thing for the channel from marketing and marketers? To me, it's battle cards. I want to be able to see how, when it comes down to it, do you talk about yourself? And we all hate battle cards sometimes because you try to stick too many things into that one page or two page battle card. But I really want to know, you know, give me a battle card so I can understand really down to the details. What are the features, advantages, benefits? What are those capabilities? Who's the competition? How does it differentiate? 
And then the next one is, what are the discovery questions? What are the things that we should be asking that lead to this solution? And not just, hey, are you happy with your send today? Or, you know, are you worried about breaches and malware? These are questions that nobody's going to give an honest answer to. But if we could ask that question, say, look, you're probably not getting everything you need for one particular area. Those are the questions we want to know that we can help uncover and get to the customer to say, you know what? I hadn't thought about that. I thought about that and didn't see and find a solution in my limited view. Or I found some solutions, evaluated them, and nothing really fit. And that's where we can say, wait, you probably didn't see everything. Here's some things you missed. You probably didn't test things the right way. You weren't thinking about the use cases the right way. And as a reseller, this is where we can bring that value and help them rethink those approaches. Because sometimes they're shopping a little bit haphazardly, you know, Googling and looking for some things and, and trying to understand if and where it might fit in their environment. So I love battle cards. I love those discovery questions. And then really just 10 slides. How does your sales engineer or somebody talk about your solution so that we can really understand it? Since we see just about everything in the channel, we've got to really understand, okay, here's where I think it fits and where it's different than others. Yeah. And you have to be succinct because like you just said earlier, your sales folks are juggling a hundred products. They are. And you know, the thing I always do, I appreciate partners that they understand when I push back and I say, I'm not going to give you an hour in front of my sales team to try to enable them because they're not going to absorb it all. Let's do eight minute enablement. Get me down to eight minutes. I'll interview you. Let's talk about what's important. What's different about what you do? How is it valuable? Where have you had success? Talk about a case study. We can all put up some big retailer logo and say, yeah, we've got XYZ company as a customer. Everybody does. Let's talk about who bought there. Was it a director of threat intelligence? Was it a manager of security operations? Why did they buy? What problem did you solve? And we can now translate that in a lot of other areas. So it gets a little bit deeper than the things as marketers. We sometimes we have to do on the website just to kind of get people a little bit interested. It helps me get a little bit deeper. And again, to do it in eight minutes, I'd rather have one of my reps rewatch something in eight minutes once or twice than try to sit through an hour and remember six months from now. It's like, okay, geez, was that a 42 minute mark or 18 minute mark that they talked about use cases or they talked about differentiation? TikTok enablement. 30-second video. I'm not a fan of TikTok. I'll say Vidyard or one of those others, Vimeo. (laughs) (laughs) Minutes. That's brilliant. That should be the length of every marketing meeting. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That should be the length of a lot of meetings. You could do so much more if meetings are eight minutes. (laughs) Let's be honest, when's the last time we sat through a 30 or 60 minute session and said, wow, I'm excited about this. I'm going to learn a lot. And I know how to apply this to my job now in six months from now. If I'm learning, it's like, I'm going to go find where that, how to do an Excel look V lookup formula. I need that video in like two minutes. If it's a 30 minute video, I'm going to the next one. That's true. Although we had a lot of to plug in cyber marketing con, we had a lot of really good 60 minute sessions that were like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They were interactive workshops. That's what I loved about it. There wasn't somebody yeah. up there lecturing for 60 minutes. That's true. So not to turn the mic in the shine back to us, but Russell, you were at Cyber Marketing Con 2022, and it was so nice to meet you in person because we know you from the internet. You were there in person and you're not an AI or a deep fake. And that's really wonderful <laughs> to see. Tell us a little bit about your experience at Cyber Marketing Con, because we're going to have another one in 2023 and we have our virtual one coming up in January. So would you recommend it? What did you think? No, listen, I'm happy to plug it. For one, if you want to dip your toe in the water, the Slack communities are a great way to get started and kind of meet people, get your avatar, have a little bit of fun there. But I really think you were able to, from that virtual experience in Slack and the communities, create something pretty phenomenal in person. You know, the fact that it was a great balance of some of those 
bigger sessions where you had some really great speakers, really great panelists, and then getting into the breakouts. I mean, a few times I tried to sneak into some, I I was late to one for a meeting, but it was standing room only. And I would say what was fantastic, 20% of the audience was there actively participating, pass the mic, share some tips, ask a question. This wasn't an audience where I'm just sitting back and I'm tweeting or I'm on TikTok or something like that. There was a lot of engagement for folks. And I liked that a lot, there was a lot of mingling, you know, as people move tables and got a chance to network and see, you know, folks from different regions and areas and different practices in marketing, because marketing isn't just one team, you know, there's brand, there's events, there's creative and content, social, dark funnel. You guys covered a lot of different topics. So that was a lot of fun. It was the right amount of time too, just enough time to kind of get in, do a few things and get out. Love that. That's amazing feedback. Yeah, that's awesome. We can't wait for the next one. We learned a lot. We've gotten a lot of feedback. We're still talking to a lot of people about their experience and it's just going to get better and better year over year. I couldn't agree more. Maria, is it time for our game, you think? Yeah, I think so. We need need to do it before we run out of time. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, Russell, we are going to play the game that we play with every guest at the end of every episode. We are going to guess that if you were not doing what you're doing today, and so you were an engineer, so we can't say engineer, we can't guess that, but we're going to guess what you would be doing if you weren't doing marketing or engineering. And then you get to pick. We're both going to go, and then you pick the winner, and the winner gets bragging rights, and the loser gets to be sad. So, uh, Maria, do you want to go first? (laughs) I'll give you the first goer advantage. It's like chess. I guess. I mean, you've done some science stuff. So, and some chemistry stuff. I'm guessing if you didn't turn tech in your education and your career, you'd probably be a scientist right now. This is cheating. Either teaching science or a scientist working, I don't know, at a pharmaceutical or maybe like oil and gas, something like that. I feel like you're cheating, Maria. Okay, so Russell, I think that you are someone who loves talking to people and has an awesome charisma and can connect with anybody. You would be great mentoring young people. I think that working maybe as like a coach of some sort, like a sports coach or something with kids, I could see you definitely being like a great influence on kids. So I'm going to say like baseball coach. Wow. Ooh, okay. Okay. Both very close in different ways. So I, I got to give the award to, to Gianna for being closest. Yes, but, um, yes even though Maria Mar- cheated, I win. No, no. Uh-huh. Maria, I would absolutely be teaching engineering math. I love doing that. With, I've got four kids and Gianna, I love coaching, not baseball. I, I do basketball. So I do basketball, football, soccer for the kids. Not that I don't like baseball. I just can't get kids to be that patient for baseball. But I love coaching people too. And I love helping out. That's what I love in marketing, you know, growing teams and coaching teams, but definitely coaching kids, teaching them something new. So it's always very, very exciting to me when a kid that's never dribbled a ball before can score in a playoff game. Or, you know, I have somebody join the team that's never really done marketing before, produces that first white paper data sheet or gets something out there that we can highlight and share. So my mentor once told me, it's like, it's amazing what you can get done if you don't care who gets the credit. So that's me. It's like, I don't like to brag or talk about myself. I like to help others and be part of their success. I love that. That's an awesome quote. That's beautiful. Well, I think that that wraps up our show today. Russell, thank you so much for being on. We love talking to you. We love having you on. We can't wait to have you back on. And we can't wait to see you again at a cyber marketing con in the future, maybe a Colorado Cyber Student Marketing Society meetup. 
we've got a few people. We've done a few meetups here. So can't thank you ladies enough for everything you're doing for the podcast, for the community, for the society. It's a lot of fun. I'm humbled to be a part of it. Thank you, Russell. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you? LinkedIn. It's uh, the best, easiest way. Find me out there. And if you're part of the community, of course, Slack, reach out there. Happy to help wherever I can. Awesome. Maria, want to wrap it up? Yeah. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you, Russell, again for taking the time to chat with us, giving us your brain for a few minutes. I hope a lot of our listeners learned a lot today. If not, reach out to Russell (laughs) so you can learn more. (laughs) I certainly am going to reach out to him right after this. (laughs) And yeah, find us every week on Wednesday for a brand new episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get alerted when new episodes drop. And don't forget to give us five, six, seven stars. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about this podcast. Thank you for your support. Thanks for listening. 